Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. He broke the news a little over a couple hours ago uh, from NHL Hockey and Rogers for our friends at Abe's Door Service, where services are specialty. Visit abesdoor.ca, one of the most plugged-in men of the business. We welcome back to the show Elliot Friedman. Hello, Elliot. How are you? You tired? <laughs> no, you hear me okay? I'm in the bowels of Scotiabank Arena. All right. Uh, we're fine. Um, Kyle Dubas, uh, this was always a possibility. Just to clarify here, did they offer him an extension or what happened there? They did. They did. Okay. This was the this was the team. Uh, let me just kind of go through the timeline as I understand it. And Brendan Shanahan supposed to speak in about 25 minutes, so we'll see where this goes from here. But um, th- this is what I believe happened, Bob. That late in the regular season, at some point, the lease offered. The lease went to Dubis and said, "You've done a really good job. We'd like to extend you." I think he was in agreement on it. They were working towards it. I think it was very close to being done this week. Um, and uh, then, now this is where kind of the stories differ. So, um, Dubis uh, had told them, I've heard now, that anything he agreed to would be pending talking with his family at the end of the season and um, he stuck to that he always said look uh, I'm willing to come back they were working out the terms like I said I heard they were close but he wanted to talk to his family at the end of the year I think MLSC looked at like at it like this is progressing we're making progress this has been going over uh, probably about six to eight weeks um, and I just don't think they realized that like I just think the, the negotiations were going well enough that I don't think they realized they were there was going to be an issue. And then Dubas had his conversation with his family. I think it was last Sunday, and he realized that they had some concerns, which he detailed at his media conference on Monday. So I think Dubas just saw that as, "Hey, I told you about this. That this might. I had to speak to my family first. Bob, he was in the office all week. He was still doing work. I think people took that as a really good sign." But I think Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment was surprised. And I think they just made the decision after, and we'll hear what Shanahan has to say in a few minutes, but I think they were concerned that uh, this had been moving in a certain direction. All of a sudden, hit a bit of a halt. And, uh, you know, we'll hear if he has to say, but I just wonder if maybe they were worried that this was a time he needed a break as opposed to focusing on being the GM of the Maple Leafs. We'll see what they have to say, but I think Dubas felt that he told them the whole time that th- this was going to have to happen first. And uh, I think on Monday, the paths diverged, and that's why we are where we are. Yeah, it's funny how things work out. I think back to Kevin Lowe in 2008 and the Oilers bringing Steve Tambellini in as Kevin's family, his kids were growing up a bit. And uh, I've often wondered what, and it's a taxing job being a GM and multiply it to the nth degree in Toronto. And, and Kyle, how many kids does Kyle have? 
Do you know? Uh, I believe two. Yeah, and his, his kids are probably growing up. It's totally understandable. To me, he showed, like, even the exchange with the fans in Tampa. Like, you know, and it's it's, it's a lot of pressure there. So tell me this, um, because we've had this debate with our listeners. When you talk to people around, and I've talked to some people this morning, uh, probably six or seven, you know, a couple guys you know pretty well. And the general consensus of people in the hockey world is the Leafs did a real... Dubas did a real good job building an organization. Um, he didn't get the playoff result. What is it too raw for you to maybe assess? Um, like cutting edge in analytics and video and development, um, but lost four consecutive playoff series to teams behind them in the standings. How would you assess the Dubas era? Well, I think that he learned an awful lot. I, I think that uh, you know he came in, um, you know, pretty young. <laughs> I, I think that you know, Bob. One of the things, like I look at myself when I was thirty, and I look at myself now at fifty, and it's amazing just how different I am in terms of everything that you learn about the way the world works or can work. And um, I think he matured a lot. I think he learned a lot. I think he gained a bit more of an edge, which I think you have to uh, you do in this business. Um, I think he's uh, not afraid or anything like that. Uh, like I think he did a lot of really good things. I think he did, but. The this is a results-oriented business, Bob. That's the way it goes. And, um, you know, close doesn't count in the NHL. And even though they won this year um, around for the first time in 19 years, look, they were going to give him a long-term extension. They were happy with him until, like, this week. So, obviously, they thought highly of him, too. Yeah. Do I think there's things he could get better at? Yeah, absolutely I do. I think that some of the contract negotiating here is something that I think if he could do over again, he would do differently. But overall, I think he's got a good process. I think he's a good manager, and I think he'll get another opportunity somewhere else. Maybe he takes a year off. So now the obvious question is, uh, who would be at the top of MLSE's target list? Because I know a guy that was just in Calgary, and I think he's a hell of a manager. I think he made chicken you-know-what out of chicken you know chicken salad or chicken you know what given what cards he got dealt last year uh as we headed into a free agency and that's brad tree living would he be a guy that would make sense or would they go with an internal candidate to uh potentially replace dubas um i think like i i think that uh i don't know if it's going to be an internal candidate i like i think there's certain here that they really people here they really like i know they really like fred i know they really like spezza but um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I think that there are people that I, I think it's more likely than not they look external. Like, I'm sure you're going to hear Brad, Brad Tree Living. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, you know, I, I, I'm, unless Shanahan tells us he's the GM beyond an interim basis, which I think would surprise us a little bit. Right. Um, uh, but I think they'll look at people like Tree Living. I think they'll look at some other people out there. Um, like, you know, I, I'm sure they've probably even started this week as they were thinking about this kind of potential outcome. So, 
Um, uh, but I do think I do think it's more likely external than internal, but I wouldn't say that 100%. All right, Elliot, we've not spoken to you since the Edmonton Oilers have been eliminated by the Vegas Golden Knights. You were on last Friday uh, before game number five of the series, and the series flipped in game five and game six, and Stuart Skinner got chased in both games, and the Oilers got outscored 3 nothing in the second period to go both games. What's your overall assessment on what uh, on the season that was for the Edmonton Oilers? I th- did we lose Elliot there for a second? Hello? I thought it was a really good... Um, you there? Yeah, we got you now. Go for it. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we got you. Yes. Okay. I, like, I, I heard that... Like I, like, I really liked Holland's press conference the other day. I thought it was a really good press conference. Yeah. I think you guys have a really good team. I think you got beat. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, both teams at time in that series had shaky goaltending, but Hill found his legs and that was a difference maker. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I thought really was the difference was five on five. And I'm sure that you're going to look at it and say um, that uh, five on five, how can we get a little bit better? But I think you've got a really good team. I think you. I think a lot of players got a lot better this year. I think Skinner was a real bright light for you guys. Um, you know, I think I think you're in the mix, and I mean now you have to find and get incrementally better. You know, the one thing I don't think is I think okay, the Oilers lost in the Western Conference Final last year, and they lost in the second round this year. It's a disaster. I just think that the NHL playoffs, the way they're structured, you get certain matchups yes. earlier on that you know that are tougher. Like Vegas, Edmonton, that could have been the Stanley Cup Final. You lost to a hell of a team, and now you've got to look at it and say, how do we get incrementally better so we can beat that team? And I think the thing you're going to be looking at is, how can we get better five-on-five? And I think that's one of those kinds of things that I think you're going to be asking, are there... Are there players we can get? Are there things that we can do to make us better at five on five? But I think overall, you guys are really good. I think you've come a long way. And now you've just got to keep, like, it, like, it, like there's a reason people pick Edmonton to win the Stanley Cup. And it's not because you guys are garbage. But now you've got to work on getting there. Yeah. Jay Woodcroft, we have him coming up live for 20 minutes at 105 today. Elliot Friedman joining us right now for Abe's Door Service. Uh, Elliot, it should be noted, the Oilers' uh, two playoff losses the last two years were teams that were uh, finished ahead of them in the regular season. Like Colorado was just better than Edmonton, and Vegas were better in the regular season than the Oilers. People maybe forget that a bit because of how strong the Oilers were in the second half. Speaking of Jay Woodcroft, Elliot, in my opinion, in the 15 years that I've worked for the club, the guy that did the best job in the minors... In the AHL was Jay Woodcroft. And the guy that has proven to do the best job with the Oilers has been Jay Woodcroft. Since he took over as head coach, Edmonton has the second best winning percentage in the NHL since February 10th of 20, uh, 2022. And I'm asking you, is he perhaps an illustration or a template that other teams could follow? Maybe Calgary or the Rangers, where they potentially look at their own internal candidates to fill coaching jobs out. What do you think, Elliot? Do we lose you? Whoa. Sorry, Bob. Yeah, Bob, I lost you for a sec. Can you please uh, just repeat that, that? Just that Woodcroft did a great job. He knew the players from the farm to the NHL. Do you think other organizations are looking at going that route? Potentially Mitch Love in Calgary, Knobloch as an example of the Rangers. 
Well, the Rangers, I initially thought <coughs> no, but now I thought the Rangers were going to absolutely do NHL experience. Now comes word that, you know, they have to Carberry. And I assume they don't do this in a vacuum. We've been talking up Jay Leach. So that says to me that someone like Chris Knobloch would have at least a because they they seem to be more interested in non-NHL experience than they were than they were initially told. I think that the, well, first of all, Calgary has to get a GM first. Right. But the thing about Mitch Love that's really interesting to me is I think he's got a year in his contract. He's been a back-to-back coach of the American Hockey League. The one thing he's going to be saying is if I don't get this opportunity now, this organization. We're getting. We're going to have to say, if this if this guy is our guy, we better do it. Yeah, I tell you what, Elliot. We know you got the presser coming at one o'clock. Thank you for joining us on Oilers now, and we'll hook up next week. Okay. All right, take care, Bob. Be well, bud. You bet. That is Elliot Freeman from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Uh, he was uh, kind enough uh, to uh, uh, do that interview on Skype, but he's in the building right now, and it's kicking a little bit in and out. They've got a lot of media that are heading down there for the Brendan Shanahan availability at 1 o'clock. Jay Woodcroft, speaking at 1 o'clock, he will join us on orders now. Frank Saravalli with his thoughts at one thirty-five with what might be happening around the league, as well as John Shannon, who's coming down the pipe at 2 o'clock. We'll head off to a quick timeout. Get to some of your texts on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, and we'll we'll discuss that quote that I just had with uh, Brendan Escott when we come back about Jay Woodcroft. This is Oilers Now. Welcome back, everybody. The Oilers Now Injury Report brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to James H. Brown. It's this simple. That's jameshbrown.com. They have over 250 years of experience that gets you the best results. That's what it's about. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang, and James H. Brown. All right, uh, Brennan, we'll read one text just on uh, that I want to get to in the Ashley Fine Floors text line, then we'll talk a bit about Jay Woodcroft. Uh, Bob, Daryl Sutter coached Calgary like a dinosaur dodges meteors. Oilers adapted and won the next four games last year after Calgary won game one. That series and continuing into next season, Calgary continued to play the same broken system. They missed the playoffs. That's also why a 100-plus point getter can drop uh, to 60-plus and 15 goals. Trey Living is a good manager. He just held on to the wrong coach for too long. While there's always been some debate, was that necessarily a Brad Trey Living move with Daryl Sutter? So, so what do you think of my comment that uh, in my in the last fifteen years, who's done a better job of the minor league team in terms of combining winning with focusing on developing players than Jay Woodcroft? Is there anybody else? I mean, I love Todd Nelson as a guy, but he was focused on winning games. He was not as focused on playing the Oilers' young prospects. Okay, that's how Colton Tubert ends up being a healthy scratch the second year he's there. So, you know. Um, for me, Jay Woodcroft, I I was more confident when Jay and Dave Manson were down there than any other time with the Bakersfield team. And the record speaks for itself since he's come up here. I mean, the Oilers have played five playoff series since Woodcroft became the head coach. And they got the second best winning percentage in the NHL since February 10th of 2022. Only Boston, with a record-setting year, has had a better... You know, and I know the Oilers came in sixth this year, but they were third from the point that Woodcroft took over last year, and they were first 
from January 10th on this year. Is there any argument of either of those two, do you think? No, and I'm a little bit less about analytics, and I'll just dig into how he was as as somebody who thought the game, and it was so evident in the way Jay thought the game when he was on with us on a weekly basis as head coach of Bakersfield. You could tell that there was a lot going on. The hamster was always sprinting on his wheel, to, to say it that way. So, um, you know, he's a guy who, he's been accruing this experience, Bob, for, for 20 years. Years just about between video coaching and and being around that winning environment in Detroit with other coaches that have gone on to win as well and and so he's sold his oats and and the thing is is I think he was ready for the opportunity right it was always about him being ready for the right opportunity he got the right opportunity he has the two superstars here but he's been able to utilize them effectively because he's been ready every step of the way and I, I know listen Jay's gonna say it like Jay's gonna talk about how he needs to learn and the coaching staff needs to learn and improve too that comes with the territory and I think the Oilers to me uh, I don't want to be that guy but I'm gonna be that guy you know how we used to joke about uh, the um the Bachelor or the Bachelorette, the most dramatic rose ceremony of all. This is the most important offseason in Edmonton Oilers history. It is. They need to upgrade the team in obvious areas and then get the team committed to playing better defense right from day one next year. So when Jay came up last year, the Oilers were taken. They were seven points out of the playoffs when Woodcroft took over during the 2021-22 season. Okay? Seven points out. They immediately improved their work back to the puck. They shaved the goals against. They did a much better job on transition. The only thing that dropped off under Jay from uh, when he came up replacing Dave Tippett to the rest of the year was a power play. It was just okay. Okay? In the final however many games it was for Jay that he ended up coaching that year. 36 or 37 games. Um, Overall, Edmonton finished 18th in the league in goals against a year ago. They were 17th in goals against this year. For me, it's simple. The biggest thing Edmonton needs to do to be a top five team, so they got to improve goals against. At the end of the day, they gave up too many goals against against Vegas. Yes, part of it's goaltending. They need more stops. And Jack Campbell had a poor start to the season. I mean, some of the models had him at minus 20. And goals saved above expectation. So this is going to be, I'm, I'm going to be intrigued with this conversation coming up with Jay because I know how much he cares and how much ownership he takes. And you heard Ken Holland, the general manager. And here's the other thing that happened, Brendan. While Jay, so that when we did the availabilities for Holland and Woodcroft on Wednesday morning, it ran into the show start time for me. So I couldn't be down there for most of Jay's stuff. So this is sort of our opportunity today. You know, I know how much it's, it's hurting him because I know how much he cares. Right? So, and he's smart. He's a smart guy. When he took the job, he did something that no other head coach has done. That's all I'm going to say. Okay? He communicated something that no other head coach has done since coming here. And uh, that's, I'll leave it at that. But, it, you know, it, it's kind of been, I think he's the right guy at the right time for the right place to continue to grow this program for Edmonton. Saying that, 
there's other parts that have got to do their job too. Management has to continue. You can't just, if you're in that office, it can't be, well, we can't do that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear, well, that's too hard to do or we can't do that. Find a way to, because there are other teams that are finding ways. I'm not saying that's happened to this point, but I'm saying you better be willing to, you know, you might have to get really creative to improve the team in a couple different areas. So we've talked about, like, how did Tampa Bay continuously stay in the mix? They took swings. Darren Radish let go by the New York Rangers. Was a good player, just couldn't find a spot in New York. Tampa Bay signs him. They had a couple other defensemen, younger defensemen ahead of him. He kept on working his way and developing as a player, and eventually he played more minutes than Victor Hedman for Tampa Bay as they were getting eliminated by the Leafs in overtime in Game 6 down in Tampa. Okay? you got to find guys like that in other organizations. And uh, they have some advantages. Okay? Connor Brown. Connor Brown, because of his injury that he suffered this year, the torn ACL, could do a bonus-laden contract. Well, given Connor Brown's career trajectory, which took off directly in relationship to playing on Connor McDavid's line with the Erie Otters, who knows? Maybe you might be able to do one of those bonus-laden deals for a guy like that that keeps the price point down if the cap doesn't increase substantially. What do you do with CC and Yamamoto? Are those two areas you need to upgrade for Edmonton? Can you do that? I mean, I would loathe to see Brett Kulak traded. In the case of the goaltenders, the goalies are going to be the goalies. They are. For those of you that think you can just wave a magic wand and make Jack Campbell disappear, it ain't happening. And you know what? Like, some might say, well, maybe they should trade him for Merzlichkins. I like Elvis, but that to me would be a risky proposition. I agree. I don't think you, you should be so eager to want to punt Jack Campbell out of town. It's It's been proven every team here needed another goaltender. Even Scott Wedgwood has had to carry some of the weight here in the playoffs for Ottinger. Every team's going to need a 1A. So. Right, and let's just see how it all plays out. But when we come back in Oilers now, Edmonton Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft, his postseason interview here. Unfortunately, uh, about four weeks too early on Oilers now. We'll go off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilmer.